You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What is up, everyone? Jose Youngsio, the MMAfighting.com, here for another Monday episode of the A-Side Live Chat. I know we've been trying to bring you these, bring you guys these episodes three days a week now. We're that train is still rolling on. Uh, but for this special Monday edition, we are joined by UFC Hall of Famer, Uriah Faber, making his return. Last time he was on was July. We had a nice conversation. So, uh, Uriah, you're here. You're here to plug a movie that you've made. I'm sure we'll talk about it uh, as the episode goes on. But first, before we get into the questions, how we've talked about a little bit off air, but how's quarantine life been for you? I know your uh, your daughter's one years old. You she, uh, you said you've enjoyed time with her, but how has this pandemic been hitting you so far? Yeah, I mean, we'll see. the The future is the question. I mean, we don't really see anything like this in the world as far as an economic reaction. Uh, and then it's hard to say, like the you know how severe everything is out there. It seems like from the numbers they're saying that um, it's something that is having an effect. I mean, people are the numbers are getting smaller it seems like a lot of i know a bunch of people that had that had the virus at least five and they said it was a minor flu and and i mean a, a small fever and then had kind of a lingering cough um people around them didn't get it so uh it's it's a scary thing but but i feel like you know <laughs> the show must go on at some point you know Uriah, uh, when did you have to shut down your gym and uh, how did it like how has that affected, you know, a lot of people, you know, the, the people who attended both fighters and, you know, anyone else who takes classes uh, at your at your gym? How, how are you been trying to keep in touch with everyone? Well, we we shut it down, you know, right when we were asked to or, or suggested to. And then um, and we've got some online Zoom classes that we're holding, uh, you know, a schedule throughout the week and then. We've got a lot of our trainers are putting stuff up on Instagram, and and um, you know a lot of people have their memberships on free. Some people want to continue to to pay for the greater good. Um, the fighters are all kind of doing their own thing. Like we had two people possibly that were going to fight. Darren Elkins was scheduled to fight on May second, uh, and then Sarah McMahon. They're talking about getting her a fight on one of the May cards as well. So um, they were doing their individual workouts with one on one. You know, people. Um, it's been it's been really strange. I mean, guys are meeting up at the park and and just doing their best they can to stay in shape. 
Well, you brought up, uh, we've had a lot of fighters on and they've talked about like, they've been either in fight camps or known someone in fight camps or talking about like their, their families and stuff. And you bring up the economics of it. And I know you've like, when fans think of you, they think of your, your title fights, but then they also think of all the, the business ventures you've, you've kind of pushed forward. You've been one of the, the, the more forward thinking fighters in the game. So when this pandemic first starts to hit, is that you're the first thing you're starting to think of? Like, how is this going to affect all of my businesses right now? Um, no, not, I mean, the, my first thought is, okay, let's, look, I'm going to do some research on how dangerous this is and mm-hmm. is it risk, et cetera. You know, you've got family and friends and everyone that, that could be at risk supposedly. And there was a pandemic in you know, 1918 that mm-hmm. took out like, people like that's, that's a scary thing. So you have to take it serious. And so that's the first thought. And then, you know, we have social media these days. We have, you know, news get thrown at us from all different directions. So I was trying to look at a bunch of different sides of it. And, uh, you know, it seems like it's serious, but it seems like it's, it's, it's more common. It's more like the flu than it is like the, the Spanish flu that, that took out million, 50 million people. So, um, that, that was the first thing I looked at, you know, you have a family that you want to watch out for. And then once this thing goes on and you start to think of the bigger picture, then you start to say, okay, how is this going to affect people? I mean, I know a lot of people are going to lose jobs. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of people without work, and that's a scary thing as well. Well, as Uriah, you've been on the show before, uh, aka you've on the show every single Monday. We, of course, have fan questions coming in. You can leave your question on Twitter or that site or MAFighting.com. You can find the post on the site. You can leave questions for Uriah. Hopefully, Andre Feely can join us uh, as the show goes on. But Casey, our director in the back, what's one of our first questions for Mr. Favorite? Cool. All right. Let's, uh, what do we got? What do we got here? Uh, we haven't screened these, so these are the first time I've seen these. <laughs> these are uncensored. You're right. Uncensored. Oh, wow. Send me uncensored. No, no, no. They're, they're, our readers are so decent. They're so decent, so intellectual. As again, you've been on the show. I believe you know. that, yeah. <laughs> well, Faber and Feely, awesome. We're still trying to get Andre. I'm sorry. Question for Faber. Oh, boy. Coming in hot right off the ship. Oh, shoot. <laughs> when you're on a sinking ship, the light, boat, the light boat only has one space for one person. Who gets it? Dom Cruz or TJ? Also, how do you like Aldo's chances at bantamweight? So, hot question right off the bat, Uriah. Who do you save, Dom Cruz or TJ Dillashaw on a sinking life ship? Uh, you know what? I've actually got some respect for Dom Cruz. I'd, I'd take Dom, I think, on this one. And second second part of the question, uh, how do you like Aldo's chances at bantamweight? I think they're great. He looked amazing at the, uh, you know, at the weigh-in. I thought he was going to look really decrepit. He just looked like a like super lean bodybuilder and recovered pretty well. So, um, you know, he's a force to be reckoned with. No matter what, I think he, he, he can do well. Uh, if I could just follow up on the Dom thing. You know, it, I, I assumed you would say Dom as well because, like, professionally speaking, is it kind of weird, for lack of a better word, how close you guys are? I mean, you've been in the cage for, like, almost a combined hour, plus all the P, uh, promotion you guys have done together, plus the Ultimate Fighter, uh, plus you guys go all the way back to your WC days. Is, is close the right word? Like, again, just being professionally when you're talking about someone like Dominic Cruz? Yeah, I mean, he and I can have a conversation. I, I like I've I've had discussions with him before where, you know, I think back in the day he always had kind of a chip on his shoulder about me, and that's gone. He's got his own successful career. He's got uh, you know world championships and and you know a job outside of the the fight space. And so um, I feel like I was kind of always fielding a guy that was like, well, well, uh, 
you had a little animosity for no reason. But uh, at the end of the day, he's actually a decent guy, and, he's, and he, you know, he's he's put a he's put a lot of hard work into to what you know has has become a, a great career for him. And still one of the one of the more polarizing, I'll say, commentators in the game. I personally like his. I'm curious what like you've been around him for so long. Is what we see on TV how he is even behind the cameras? He seems one of these guys that's not he. I've seen him at media day interviewing fighters just to understand uh, their mindset going into fights, so he can talk about it on air. So is he that meticulous behind the scenes too? Uh, from the moments you've been around him. I honestly haven't watched any of that. I mean, I'll watch the fights that I want to fight, mm-hmm. the fights I'll watch, and uh, I don't go and look at anything else. So I sure. haven't seen much of it, to be honest. I uh, I mean, he seems like he does an okay job when he's actually commentating fights. That's the only thing I ever see. Sure, sure. Well, thanks so much for the question. Uh, Casey, we got any other? Oh, yeah. I'm sure we have a million. I'm also going to call <laughs> Andre in a few seconds here. I got a notification that he may be ready to hop on, too. All right. Um let me get another question out. One moment. Uh, yeah, let's go this. Oh, it kind of answered this one, but let's go ahead and talk about it a little more. Faber versus Aldo, 135 from Rob Holland on the site. First off, big, big, big California kid fan. Thanks for doing the show, both of you guys. We keep having this idea online of a certain bantamweight showdown, Uriah or Mr. Faber. Would you be down for a fight with Jose at bantamweight? And what would be different this time at this weight? Uh, Uriah, we've talked about this a few times uh, on this show. We've tried to fantasy match, make a bantamweight Grand Prix with all of this, uh, the the drama going on at the top of the division. Uh, Dominic Cruz might re- supposedly was going to place Jose Aldo in a title fight. Aljamain Sterling, Corey Sanhagen supposedly going to fight Marlon Moraes, Peter Young. We've been kind of trying to fantasy match make a possible bantamweight Grand Prix, and we were all in agreement last last show that we would love to see you guys run it back at 135 after your first fight at 145. So, uh, would that be a fight you'd be interested in down the road, uh, whether there's a title on the line or not? Uh, possibly. I mean, that's a big fight. Uh, you know, Aldo's a tough cookie, and and you know the last fight where we went to went to battle, he annihilated my leg. So I definitely have to take a take a lesson from that first that first fight but uh you know he, he's a big guy for the weight class i'm a big guy for the weight class i always felt like he was a lot bigger than i am but the fact that he was able to get down to 135 um you know that's, that's pretty impressive so that's a good one frankie edgar's a good one that's a, that's another one uh there's so many good matchups back there i mean unfortunately uh i'm not gonna be fighting a ton uh a ton longer if at all i mean I'm, i've got you know a, a personal goal when i turn 40 to hit you know, four fights after 40, and I'm too into that. Um, could I go more? Sure, absolutely. Uh, but do I have to do either? I, I, not necessarily. So um, that would be a good match. Uh, there's a bunch of good matches. Uriah, are you in fate? Are you in favor of like, uh, you know, it's an idea that's been discussed over in like Bellator and things like that. And I don't know if the UFC would ever do it, but kind of like, you know, the veteran uh, Legends League where they match up, you know, fan favorite guys, uh, fighters with big names that are, you know, outside of title contention, sort of more outside the ranks at this point. Are you ever in favor of uh, the UFC implementing a division like that, like a Legends League? No, I don't think so. I mean, look, if you can't compete as an older athlete, then. You know, too bad you 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 missed your you missed your opportunity. I'm a guy that is uh, stayed in great shape and and I haven't taken too much abuse throughout the years, and I felt like I could. You know, last 
last fight didn't go my way, but I was having a very, very good first round, and um, I got too comfortable and got caught by by a really dangerous guy. But uh, you know, if you can't compete at the highest level in the UFC, at least that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to they're trying to find out who's the baddest dude in the world. Then um, you know, that's kind of the case. I mean, mm-hmm. Bellator does a great job putting on some some awesome fights, also. But um, you know, I'm in it for the cream of the crop situation, and and. Uh, you know, if I can't compete, you can't compete. But at this point, I feel like I could. And I, you know, my last two guys I fought were 26. I won one, I lost one, and and one of the guys was uh, in the top 15. The other one was in the top three. So, it, it, there you have it. Yeah, a lot of guys with your name, I would think, like, uh, you know, wouldn't want to fight like a Peter Yan. You know, might want to angle for for a more well-known guy who's, you know, not as up-and-coming as him. And yet you you jumped right into that. And, uh, you know, obviously we commend you for that. But a lot of us think that's just crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I see Andre has joined us. Have you oh, seen yo. Casey? Yeah, yeah. Let me get yeah. Andre. Oh, hold on a second. Let me get Andre. First of all, nice books behind you, sir. Bro, the first thing I was going to say is right. that... Essex County? Oh, shit. You know it, man. I thought I was looking at my own background. Holy shit. I see that stack of Hellboys next to you, too. I was going to... Oh, that is... Dude, I got a bucket. I've been working hard on that thing, dude. My God. First time on Bookshelf Envy of a guest on the A side. Dude, I got a couple things going. And then I got I got the omnibus. I got the omnibuses over here, dude. Like the... The coffee table books over here. Oh, uh, we'll we'll talk after the show, my man. We will talk. We will compare. <laughs> we'll compare notes. Nerd out after the show, boys. Come on. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Be professional. <laughs> this is what all my MMA interviews devolve into. It's just coming to talk, man. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Andre. I know you guys have a movie coming out, Alex. Yes. I know I had a few questions. Casey, I'm sure, has a million questions considering he's the director, cameraman behind the scenes. I know our own Damon Martin's probably watching, <laughs> waiting for us to talk about it. So uh, what's this movie you guys, the two of you, have coming out uh, as Casey plugs the air horns? Uh, whoever wants to start, uh, how did this come about? What's the movie about? Uh, I know Andre's actually in the movie, so uh, I don't know if he wants to take the lead on this or you Uriah, you are one of the men behind the scenes. But, yes, tell us about this movie. Uh, you uh, guys are both tied to. Favors a producer. You can take the lead on this, dude. <laughs> no, you know, I've, I've been learning about the the entertainment industry for a long time. You know, my uh, my longtime manager, Mark Schulman, you know, under him for nine years, I've been learning about how things work. And and I put put together a team of guys that that uh, we've been building up on, on projects and this one was actually kind of late to the game. We have a bunch of other scripts and life rights and uh, documentaries and things that we're working on. And this was an opportunity to have a, uh, a movie that could kind of flex all our muscles. And everyone involved made it kind of a passion project. So, you know, there's a lot of, of high-level actors in there, working actors that aren't necessarily the, the bankable uh, international stars that you would see, but have, have a lot of talent. And then... The director, uh, Jared Roxburgh, actually met him through the MMA space. And, and uh, the producer who actually came up with the concept to do this whole thing, Rick Lee, he's in the MMA space. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, me as the producer was just putting the pieces together, getting guys like Andre Feely, who's, who's had aspirations to act for a long time, an opportunity. And um, it was really cool, man, to see the whole thing come together uh, as just – not only a great product, but something that can move us forward in the business is, is pretty awesome. And the movie is about a robbery on a on a marijuana farm out in Northern California. There's a bunch of twists and turns. It's a slow burn. It, it starts out 
you know, kind of kind of slow. And, and next thing you know, uh, it's high action and, and, and high intensity. Uh, Andre, now you're in this movie as uh, I'm just looking at Diego Beltran, I believe is the name yeah. of your character, which I think we'll all pretend is an, is an homage to uh, Ultimate Fighter One champion Diego Sanchez and uh, former UFC heavyweight Joey Beltran. I assume that's some sort of secret <laughs> shout out thing. Um, uh, Andre, tell us how conditional was your casting in this movie on you getting that Uriah Faber tattoo on your leg? You can tell us on you're alive now. You can tell us. Uh, I, I believe SAG would. You know, if you want to send a complaint to SAG, I think yeah. I don't think they would approve if that was in your contract. That you had to do that. I don't think that's legal. Some so, sort of uh, weird. Yeah. Some sort yeah. of weird like some sort of weird like casting couch type thing. Where like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not doing the gas couch. The casting tattoo shop was better. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, the tattoo. <laughs> I love the air horns. The tattoo. Uh, sorry, my voice is kind of fucked right now. My allergies are no joke. Uh, um, the, the casting couch. Is, <laughs> uh, let me tell you about my Hollywood. Yeah, that's why Felix going to get to, to the movie biz. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to be a producer. No. Um, oh, yeah, right. I, uh, I got the tattoo without telling anybody. I got the tattoo without telling anybody. I just like, I, I had it booked and just, I just wanted to get it done. I have, a couple more spots on my leg and I was like, yeah, his face is as good as anybody else. But the tattoo, the, the, the movie was already, was already wrapped up. So oh. no, no, no conditional parts. Uh, but I think that the part came, the part came pretty naturally for me. I, uh, <clears throat> I've grown up in Northern California, you know, like I've grown up around a bunch of like dudes who grew weed as a family business dudes who, you know, like in the, in the in the little I got moved from Seattle to Northern California when I was like 11 and I got moved to this little town where growing weed is like the family business and you know as a kid growing up it was always like oh this guy just got robbed or like uh so and so's about to crop out like yeah he's got he's like he's on edge right now because everybody knows like but you know it was like so it was easy to get into the character because I'd grown up around that type of stuff and I think it's a real good representation of of Northern California and of of how the weed market had been here for a long time. And, you know, there's a lot of places who probably, who, who, there's a lot of people from places that that's probably not their reality. So it's cool to, to kind of get to show that. Mm. Question for both of you. I've, you obviously have seen movies. I, that's no, that's, seen you've seen them. You've seen a movie or two, sure. but what's, what's the biggest, uh, <laughs> Uh, misconception you had going into this like you you had you when this is your first movies you guys have done together uh, what's something that you thought would be easy that wasn't and what's like some of the challenges that have come up that you weren't expecting and you're in making this movie well for me this was uh you know we had to make the most of, of every penny of this thing we did a great job with that um, I wish I could say that I did any of the heavy lifting but I did you know I, I was kind of the outside guy that that uh, got to put things together. You'll see my car in there. I got Feely in there. I got my boy Mike Boy in there. Uh, I helped raise all the all, uh, most of the funding and or the majority of the funding, and um, you know agreed on the project and read the script and enjoyed the script. So, you know, I know that I was there one day and Andre was like, you know, he had something to do with his girl back home and like things were going. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a ultra. Uh, uh, this is a ag. Uh, film, but we're also working extra long hours, and uh, so he could probably attest more to like what it was like on set. But I've been on set before. I've been on set on big movies and and, and small movies, and and it's just a grind. It's not a grind like you get to get it all over with. It's like a slow right. like process, and so that that I think 
um, is you're just reminded that it's a tedious thing. And, and, and the director, that's his baby. He's, you know, Jared's there making sure that people are, are focused and in tune and, and they're not just walking through the motions. And, and so I saw a lot of that. The other thing I didn't, I didn't, uh, even predict was, especially because we had such a tight knit crew was there was literally like tension on the set with people like not working well together and and you know like a bunch of stuff that i guess is pretty pretty status quo for the movie industry i mean it makes sense you know got all these dramatic people in one place but um you know it was it was fun to see all that unfold especially feely being a uh you know as grounded for for a guy with head tattoos and 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 a missing tooth as can be you know yeah i uh (laughs) I would say the same thing, man. That's what surprised me is the the, the thing that surprised me about the, the hard bit, the hard part that surprised me that I thought would be easy is how long the days are, how much work goes into it. Like I'm used to doing two or three practices a day where I'm fist fighting people, so I'm like, man, I can I can act all day, whatever. But you're putting in <clears throat> you're putting in ten, twelve hour days, man. Like you're grinding for an actual whole fucking day. Like you you and it's it's hard because. You might have a scene at 9 a.m. and then you might not be needed again till 4 p.m. But you got to be on set. You got to be a part of it. You got to be ready when they call you. Like, you got to be ready all day. You know. Um, so it's it's a it's a long grinding day. It's it's a tedious day. And and especially being the, the athlete on set, I don't want to be like the fighter guy who came in and couldn't act. So like, sure. I I, I want to be ready. I want to do a good job. So it's like you're basically just like it's like hurry up and wait. You know, it's like it's like being staged before a fight, but it could be eight hours, you know, like, um, and like Faber said, like there was a, we filmed throughout this week and, uh, a bunch of my friends and my girl and her friends, they all went to go do this. Like they all went to like this cannabis cup, this high times cannabis cup. They were all going to kick it and like have a weekend of it or whatever. And I'm like, Oh cool. Like this is our day off. Like I'll just go, I'll just drive back home. Like we're like three hours from Sacramento. And the director was like, nah, you can't do that. I'm like what the fuck do you mean? Like I can drive home; it's not a big deal. He's like, he's like, no, because like exactly how you look right now, we need you to look tomorrow for continuity's sake. So like, in case you get in a fight, in case mm-hmm. you get in a car wreck, in Jeez. case you do something, and I'm like, I'm like, and I'm really fucking annoyed because I want to go hang out, but I'm like, he's got, he's got a good fucking point. He was pissed. <laughs> I was like, there. Yeah. He, he was pissed. Yeah, I was fucking little, annoyed. I was really annoyed. Off the, off the, uh, off we've the been working like, we've been working like four 12-hour days in a row, and then it was like, all right, cool. I'm gonna drive home. We'll be back tomorrow in the morning. And they're like, no, nah, you have to stay in the house in the middle of the woods and do nothing for another 12 hours. Like, I was really fucking annoyed. But honestly, it's like. That's just part of it, man. It was it was well worth it. Um, the part that was easier than I thought was the actual acting. I was like, unless I watch the, I mean, don't get me wrong. I could say this now, and then we watch the movie tomorrow, and I fucking suck. Don't <laughs> like it. There is that chance, but from where I'm sitting, I felt like it went pretty well, and it wasn't it wasn't as hard as I thought. Like I I didn't know what it was going to be like to try to do an emotional scene in front of twelve people and be vulnerable and try to like. You know, I didn't know how, if I was going to suck or not. Like, I didn't think I was going to, but until you really, until you really do it, you don't know. Until you really, until it's like action and there's lights in your face and there's a girl in front of you and she's teared up and you're trying to be emotional too and you're like, that part came easier to me than I than I thought. But the actual days were were tough, dude. It was it was it was long days and it was it was a lot of work. So something we'll see more down the road from you, I would imagine. 
I hope so. I really hope so, man. Like, I really, I plan on it. Like, acting has been something I've always been passionate about. Uh, right, right by the favorite tattoo, I got a Daniel Day Lewis tattoo. Like, I'm a huge, oh. yeah, oh, I'm wow. a huge, a huge act. I'm a huge movie guy. I'm a huge, like, I have certain actors that I just like idolize, man. Like, I, I really would like to keep acting. Yeah, for sure. Did you we watch? Just, uh, also, did you watch that uh, Phantom Thread? I haven't seen Phantom Thread. Oh, it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix now. Check that out. Okay, dude, because I was trying to get it on Amazon Perfect. Prime, and you could only rent it if you had stars uh, or some bullshit, dude. I just watched. Uh, I just watched Honey Boy. Holy shit! Oh, dude. that was good. Dude, dude. Joe, have you talked to Joseph Benavides about that movie? He'll talk I to you about been, three dude. hours. Dude, dude, I've been talking to Joseph Benavides every day about it. That movie made me fucking. I'll, I'll cry right now, dude. I'll break down right now. <laughs> what dude. movie is it? Honey it's called Boy. Honey Boy. It's a. Uh, Okay. It's like Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf wrote it about himself. his own childhood, about his own childhood. Yeah, and then he plays his own. He plays his own like alcoholic, emotionally abusive dad, and it's just right. like, whoo, dude. That line where he says, "The only thing my father ever gave me of any value was pain," and now you want to take that away from me. Like I have never ever felt a movie line the way I felt that in my whole life. Like holy shit, dude. Whoo. <laughs> Shia LaBeouf is a national treasure, dude. So now you guys watch movies with like a different appreciation for the process going into it. Like when you see these movies that move you on the screen, but you probably are now thinking like, wow, that you know what goes on behind the scenes to lead up to that, I would imagine. Are you good, favor? Yeah, you know, my, all my favorite movies are just movies, like you said, that you feel something, whether you're feeling like laughing the whole time or you're like just on edge or whatever. So uh yeah i've always been kind of like that you know my favorite movies are a lot of them have some drama in them you know and uh you know i know feely i i hear feely we had a we had a big director who's gonna who's signing on to do our next project and um he came to my house and and we watched our our green rush movie together with him and he does big you know 100 million dollar films and uh you know it was fun to see him and feely Chalk and shop because Feely is really dorks out on this stuff, you know. <laughs> I'm more on the backside. <laughs> I'd like to think I would like to think I nerd out about. I don't dork out about anything. Yeah, you dork fucking, out, man. But I fucking nerd out about <laughs> movies and comic books guys, for sure. You guys, I you guys wanna you guys wanna say a funny story. Feely gets a gold tooth one time. He's missing his other tooth. I think it was silver or gold tooth. I can't remember. I go, oh, let me get this for. I think it was. I got was gold fangs. I think it was fangs. Twitter at the time. Gold fangs. I don't know if it's Instagram or Twitter. It was a long time ago. I go, oh, let me get this. I did a slow mo, like, like a uh, tour of his mouth with the distant tooth and the gold fangs and all this. Shit. And, then, and then I just put teeth problems and I put it on my social media. He got so pissed. He's like, really? really? Dude, like I wasn't pissed. Dude, I wasn't pissed as much. I wasn't pissed as much. I was like, dude. You just posted teeth problems to a million followers. Like, you're a fucking bad person, dude. <laughs> Back in the day, if you wore gold teeth, because they, you know, they had cavities, they put those oh. over them so they didn't hurt their teeth and they chew, you know? Times have changed. Times man. have changed. Times, Times have changed. changed. <laughs> someone, someone in our comment section wants to know how they can watch the movie during this quarantine times. It's on demand. Uh, you can order it through Redbox. Uh, U, you know, UDH with the uh, high definition. You can order it there. It's basically uh, anywhere you rent order, movies. Any, yeah. Anywhere you can rent movies at. Like I think it'll, I'm sure Amazon Amazon Video as well. Like all all the places but, you rent movies. But tomorrow, not today. Yeah, tomorrow. 
Yeah, the trailer, I think, is available, has been available on YouTube for a while. Green Rush. And uh, yeah, that's uh, tomorrow. So April, April 14th, right? That's it. Yep. Yeah. We originally, before the quarantine, we we're going to do our uh, our premiere in Seal Beach and one in Sacramento. But we're going to do it on, in, uh, on 420. But I was going to say, like, wait 14. a week. It's, it's right there. Branding yeah. right there. Yeah, dude. Yeah, the, the virus killed that one. Yeah. <laughs> Is it harder to watch replays of your fights or watch yourself on camera in a movie? It depends on how the fight went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Good answer. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Yeah, I knew how the movie was going to go before I fucking started it. The fight's just chaos, dude. <laughs> nah, I don't know. Probably, probably, uh, I don't know, probably a fight. A, a bad fight is, it, pro- it probably goes like uh, a bad fight is the hardest to watch and then the movie and then a good fight because even a good fight you're still picking your technique apart and a movie was, a movie i'm just like oh god i hope i don't oh god i should have done this different you know like well i was gonna I, say because we, we had anthony smith on the show and he says no matter what fight he watched he thinks he sucks he thinks he's the worst <laughs> fighter in the world. like he's like even when i knocked out shogun i thought i was the worst fighter i'd ever seen in my life so i'm curious if you guys are like that too I, I, I'm the opposite, man. I'm delusional about stuff. Here's <laughs> <laughs> my reaction to Peter Yan fight. I'm like, dude, sure. I, I had his ass. You yeah. know? <laughs> mine is, mine is somewhere, mine is somewhere in between. Like, I watch my, I watch my um, fight in in Sacramento, and which is like my favorite fight memory I have to date. And I watch myself like land that cross kick, and I'm like, damn, that's the that's the dopest cross kick anyone. Like, I'm the I'm the greatest featherweight of all time. And then, but like. Everything leading up to that, I'm just like, oh god, that's, ugly. that's ugly. <laughs> like, why are your legs so skinny? Why are your feet so big? Why is your why are you moving? You move like a. I watch myself move, and I move all like slunky and like I hate everything about my fighting until I get like a finish, and then I'm like, I'm like, damn, I'm the best ever. Yeah, Corey Sandhagen's quote was, "I'm my fa- I'm my own favorite fighter." So you're on the same boat as him. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. Sandhagen, Sandhagen is one of my favorite. Uh, uh, bantamweights, dude. Sanhagen is a fucking dark. I think Sanhagen is really underrated. I think he's going to be a problem at that division for a long time, dude. Like he, he, he has some of the best striking. I think he might be. I think he might be one of the best strikers in the game right now. And then he fought a Sun Tao and out grappled him, out scrambled him, and I was like, okay, dude, this motherfucker. He, dude, that he is. He, dude, he's a problem. I, I really love the way Sanhagen fights, dude. Straight up. Favor, what are your thoughts on Mr. Corey Sandhagen, someone in your weight class? Yeah, he's good, man. Nice guy, too. I think he came out and trained with us. I think Feely, did he come out back in the day? Um, I think he might have came and trained out before, came out and trained before. I invited him recently. He was supposed to come out again at some point this year before this whole apocalypse mm-hmm. happened. He, he, came out, he came out a long time ago, uh, but, dude, yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a good fighter. But I'm going to tell you, dude, this weight class right now, there's so many tough guys. I mean, yeah. you take the old guys, you got how many champions do you have, former champions do you have that are that are still in the mix, like that are still fighting for titles and stuff, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dom and Frankie and and uh, you know, Aldo you, and, and Well, I'll pre- I'll present it this way. Uh, someone asked Corey Sandhang this when he was so now that we have you, Uri, I was gonna I was gonna wait for this, but since you brought it up, someone asked uh, Corey Sandhagen how the top five 
right now, bantamweights in the UFC would compare to the top five in the WEC days. If they could, if there was a time machine and they could fight, how did the top five of those two weight classes stack up? So you're talking like yourself, uh, Cruz, like Brian uh, Brian Bowles, Wyland, mm-hmm. like those guys. Miguel Torres. Torres, Torres, of course, uh, compared to the uh, the Sterlings, the Sanhagens, the Yans, the Marines. Joe B, of course. So, uh, lo- looking through the annals of time, how would those two that that top five of those two eras compare? You know, people always talk about like the different eras, like go way back, like to sure. oh, fighting so much different now than it was then. It's really not when it comes to the individual. Like you, it's it's a mental battle in there. I mean, sure, there's maybe some new skills learned, but fundamentals are what winning are winning fights, and then really tough dudes with with you know. You know, some genetic gifts and with a Real mental power. attitude and, and everything else. So, I don't know. It'd be fun to see. Uh, I mean, the, the, the fact that I don't know how many of the guys right now that are the up-and-coming guys are going to have as long and, and successful careers as guys like Dominic and, and, and Frankie and, and Aldo sure. and myself. Um, well, yeah. you know, I mean, we're in title contention our whole careers, really. So... Yeah, uh, I mean, well, th- that's that's to be said. There's been guys that were uh, Phil Broney's an example. He was he was he was the man at like one mm-hmm. point. You know, if you remember that. But but then there's guys that have been like a Randy Couture that were the man their whole career. Yeah. So who knows? Well, as always, Casey, we've asked maybe one question and we went on a long <laughs> tangent. For you, it won't be the eight side final tangent. So do we have any other questions? Bring on the trolls. Bring on the Bring trolls. On. Sure. I love Battle of Trolls. Trolls. The trolls are probably having the best time of their life in this quarantine. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, they're they are active. What are you guys? Yeah. Uh, they're probably a- masturbating and picking on people that can never get back to them. And, and then, of course, telling Khabib he's scared to fight Tony Ferguson. <laughs> yeah. Right. Are you guys? Yeah. Like- Khabib's real Dude. scared. That sounds like a fucking typical day for me on quarantine. <laughs> not the Khabib part, just the Thanks. other parts, dude. The trolls. Yeah. <laughs> not the Khabib Thanks. part, but all the other stuff, yeah, dude. <laughs> all right, Casey, what was that question you pulled up from? From at KKD113 on Twitter. Ask your if he thinks Cruz can be champion again or if he's past his prime. So can Dominic Cruz be champion again in 20, 2021, I'll say. Uh, we don't know when this quarantine will end, Uriah. Uh, I think he probably could, depending on the path. I mean, it just depends on the lineup. Now, could mm-hmm. he go through the whole the whole roster of fighters and beat everyone? No. But is there a way to jockey to get it? Yeah. I mean, you got Cody Garbrandt in there. Um, he's got a mm-hmm. he's got Cruz's number, and, and he's re reignited with his his body feeling good, and his, his spirit and his mind in the right place. You got uh, guys like Jan, and you've got. You know, an Aldo. We never got to see a Frankie or an Aldo fight fight a Cruz. That'd be a tough fight, you know. Uh, I've been yeah, calling for Frankie Edgar Don Cruz forever. Yeah, that'd be a good yeah. one. And then and, and same with Aldo, like Aldo too. So I, I think uh, no, absolutely. But it just depends on who's going to get the given path. I mean, there, a lot of people could be champs if they get the opportunity. But could yeah. now if you if you line up everyone in the weight class, I don't think no. I mean, he could go through everybody. But uh, I think that he could get there with the right matchups and and, uh, and and a good day of performing. Do you guys think he has to go through a Jan or a Sanhagen uh, to get that title fight? Or do you think it's the opposite? He needs to jockey around those guys and not fight those guys? Uh, Andre, I don't know but... about... I think, he's, I, I think he's actually a horrible... I mean, I think Dominic is a horrible 
matchup for Jan because mm, yeah. he's. I mean, I I felt like Jan was too slow in the first round. I only reason he hit me in the in the second is I got too comfortable. I was like, dude, this guy's too slow. Mm, I think wow. I think TJ Cody and Dominic will all be really bad matchups for Jan, and then I think guys like. Uh, Marais is a good matchup for him, and I think uh, the guys that stand and duke it out, you know. Yeah. But but the guys that are fast and elusive and intelligent, I mean, I'm 40, <laughs> you know. I was I was faster than him. I think I think what's interesting about Dom too is his style. Like there's certain guys, <clears throat> there's certain guys whose style don't age well. Like um, you see guys who get in there and just are in dog fights every fight or who, who really rely on like their athletic ability or who really rely on being the fastest, hardest hitting guy. Like those guys don't usually age as well as someone like Dom who doesn't take damage, who, who basically Dom can keep fighting the way he fights for as long as he can keep a really good gas tank. Like he's so elusive and he's constantly moving. As long as he has the gas tank to do that, I think he can give people problems. Like his style isn't like I'm the fastest, I'm the most athletic. I have like, you know, he, he's not barreling through guys. He's he's being elusive. He's pot shotting. He's he's making sure to not take damage. He's timing the little weird uh, head to the head to the side, head uh, to the wrong side takedowns, those money shot takedowns. Like, he's he he has, I think, the style to age well for sure. But um, yeah, I agree with that. But but it minus his on, body falling apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's constantly falling apart. Yeah. Sure, the boys got the boys got so as a guy with knee problems, that boy's got some knee problems. Sure. Well, and it was his uh rotator cuff, the last injury, too, right? It wasn't even in his knees this time, uh, something like that. But anyway, thank you for the question, Casey. You got any more for the gentleman here? Yeah, I mean, bring something up. Uh, <clears throat> Ask me to save a but how to save a bunch of money on your car insurance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Ooh, at from the seaside, which fight made you the most emotional and why? I don't know if they're talking about one of your own fights or a fight you were watching, so you can answer this however you want your eye. I'll start with you. What fight made you the most emotional and why? Um, probably my retirement fight was, uh, you know, I just knew that I I didn't have to retire. I feel like I had a lot more in the, in the, in the tank, but I felt like it was a good time. And it was the first fight in the uh, in the new arena that's kind yeah. of saved our city, which we almost lost our, our Sacramento Kings to, to a different state. And our our mayor at the time really rallied up and got that thing built. Um, it was just I was kind of ch- at that time I was chasing like getting motivated. Not that I, I have a, have a hard time getting motivated to train or actually getting in there to fight per se, but like. You know, the hair used to stand up on my neck, and I used to get some, you know, butterflies and whatnot. And I wasn't able to get that. I would go up and try to fight Frankie at a higher weight class, or I'd, you know, get in another title fight. But I just wasn't having the excitement as as I as I had it as a, as a younger fighter. So I was kind of chasing that, and that retirement fight brought all that back for me. Andre, same question: Which fight made you the most emotional? It doesn't even have to be one of your own fights. It could be any fight out there. Um, it's hard to narrow it down. I'll give you like a couple quick answers. Uh, my own, of my own fight, um, of my own fight, uh, was the fight in Sacramento being able to fight in my hometown. I, I hadn't got to fight in Sacramento in like seven years or six, six years since I'd been in the UFC. And then I got to fight in the new arena in front of everyone. Uh, my dad had just got out of prison after like 17 years and it was like him and my Jeez. mom. 
him and my mom and then my sister sitting next to each other, like, you know, with really good, like basically front row seats. Um, I like hopped over the ring, the cage. And like the first people I saw, I didn't really have a game plan. I just hopped over the cage because I was losing my mind. And the first people I saw were um, the guy, the wounded, the wounded vets from Ranger Road. So I just gave him a big hug and like, and got snatched up by the, the, the commission security guys and got in trouble, <laughs> but it was worth it. Um, Sacramento was my favorite fight of mine so far. Um, Faber's retirement fight was really emotional. Um, yeah, there've been, there've been a couple, man. Um, Cody, Cody beating Cruz, Cody beating Cruz, me and, me and Faber were fucking half drunk, hugging each other, screaming. And <laughs> it was like, just a, it was a, it was just a really cool moment to see my boy manifest something that he'd been working hard on. Um, and there's a couple negatives too. I won't go into them, but anytime, basically anytime my friends lose a fight, it, it hurts me for a whole, for, for a day straight. I'm just paying. So fighting's a really, people don't like to talk about it, but fighting's fucking emotional, man. Fighting is really emotional, dude. Fighting, you either get to be a hero or get, or you lose and, and there's no in between. So, um, fighting for me is, I'm, I'm a pretty emotional guy, man. Fighting's really emotional for me. You're right. What's been the most emotional you've gotten watching a fight? Jeez, uh, you know, actually, you know, when when TJ beat, beat uh, when TJ won the 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 title, that was a big one for all of yeah. us. When Cody beat Dom, um, you know, I had I had with Joseph Benavidez. There's been two fights that that Joseph was right there for the title. <clears throat> the first one was against Dominic Cruz. Um, you know, it was just me and Joseph in his in his room afterwards, and just. You know, he in his mind was going to win that fight, and he was just pouring his heart out about all the things he wanted to say afterwards and who he was going to think. And you know, it was that that was kind of an emotional time. Um, and also, when we fought in Sacramento, it was like I had a big win, and then Joseph had a big loss in Sacramento against uh, Michael McDonald. And he fought Demetrius Johnson. That was another one that was that was really hard to watch, and 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 I felt like a big up and then a big down because he was right after me. <laughs> but. Um, you know, all the ones where you're tied close to people sure. and you know how much hard work they put into things and how monumental it is for the for the clan. You know, we got a bunch of people involved in things and yeah. and uh, so I think it's all we've all helped each other and, and you know, you win and lose together, you know. Yeah. I think people don't realize how much of a team sport this is. Like mm -hmm. when I mean some people it's not. There's guys in Vegas who train at the PI and they grapple here. And they do MMA here, and they do boxing sparring here, and they have like four or five gyms. But for guys who do it like you know, like team, like we do at Team Alpha Male, or I'm, I'm sure at Jackson's or Novo and Yao, or a team like that, where it's like your your team, your home team, it's it's a team sport, man. It's emotional, and anytime one of your friends wins or loses, it's fucking big for everybody. Yeah, I think it's crazy that Uriah, you bring up the the TJ win uh, when he beat Brow because. You know, obviously, so much has changed since then. Um, but it's it's this amazing frozen moment. Like you bring it up, and I think a lot of people, when they talk about an emotional uh, an emotional moment, a lot of people would mention that. Because um, yeah, you got you know, you guys were so high for the time. It was such a crazy thing that happened. And again, even though things are different now, anyone can go back and kind of watch that moment. And it's just it's kind of always there. And I, I wonder, I, I just can't imagine how surreal it is for you uh, and Joseph and everyone else involved in that camp uh, again at the time. But I can say for the rest of us, like that that was also. Um, really really something it just must be so strange for you to ever whenever it, it, that replay comes on because that fight is replayed quite a bit um, yeah it's kind of weird and, and yeah. you know it's funny because i had actually stepped in on short notice because dominic cruz had been injured 
the fight Barouse, I took mm-hmm. it. I had a, a torn something in my knee. I took it on two weeks' notice, and uh, I, had, I can't remember what injury I had. I think maybe a hamstring. I can't remember what the injury was, but uh, I took that short notice. And then it was like the controversial one where I put my thumbs up and, and Herb yeah. stopped the fight. I'm like, dude, I'm a friggin' thumb up. Oh, terrible. You know? And uh, and so and and after that fight, I I said, hey guys. Instead of being, I want to rematch this, blah, blah, blah. I said, hey, guys, here's TJ, you know, whatever. Then I went to, to Dana's office, and I pitched him on TJ and told a bunch of TJ stories and everything else. So I really had a hand in that thing, making the thing happen. And so having it come to fruition was was cool. And then, you know, you fast forward to the situation now, and it's like, eh, you know, is what it is. You know, mm-hmm. it's the, what is it, the snake and the turtle? The snake and the frog? You ever hear <laughs> snake that? Snake and the frog. Well, yeah, snake and the frog, snake and the turtle, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it's all good. Uh, and uh, Jose, I'll just say uh, my most traumatic fight ever. Uh, emo- I'm sorry, emotional, but I'll say it's traumatic. Was probably the first time our producer Casey ever yelled at me. Uh, yeah. Probably the first time we ever worked together and had some harsh words for me. So I have not had a fight uh, like these two, but I'll just say we have our own squabbles yeah. here at uh-huh. Anime Fighting, and uh-huh. I cried for I cried for at least a day. It was uh-huh. everyone it was, has their everyone has their own battles, brother. Everyone <laughs> has their own battles. It's tough. It's tough. <laughs> yeah, he's very he's very mean director back there. But speaking of ever the mean director, Casey, any more questions? I know we got about ten minutes left. Yeah. All right, one more. Let me pull something Thanks up. Thanks for the questions, he said. Do, 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 do. Uh, what is this? Oh. From Average Joe Art on Twitter. And I'm going to give this guy a shout-out. He he has a lot of followers on Twitter. does a lot of fan art. Uh, I know Israel Adesanya was wearing one of his shirts at a media day one. So give him a give him a look if you haven't. Uh, actually, Andre does a lot of comic book fan art. So uh, go yeah. scope this guy out. Yeah, he did a fantastic Judge Dredd the other day. What's his um, name? Uh, Jay Romero at Average Joe Art on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, phenomenal guy, too. Huge MMA fan. Uh, his question, I've always wanted to know why champions don't wear or at least bring their belts out with them to the cage, especially when the modern belt now being replaced by having a jewel inserted for each defense. I've had some casual fans get confused as to who the champ is. So, Uriah, you've been champ. How, uh, how, can, fight, how can fighters don't bring out their belts to the octagon? I didn't even notice they don't. I'm not sure. I mean, for me, I would just say when you're about to fight, you're just thinking about everything except for holding a belt, you know? Sure. <laughs> you're thinking about, you know, visualizing your win, and you're thinking about, like, getting warmed up and everything else. It's just, you know, you don't want to have to deal with the belt. Yeah. Well, the thing that comes to mind is I think John Jones fought Shogun the first time, and Shogun walked out with a belt, and John Jones said it made him that much more motivated to, like, kick his ass. So maybe yeah. it backfired. It backfired for Shogun right there. Yeah. I think I think MMA is just less, like, you see boxing, they do it, I think, right? Like, guys walking yeah. out behind him holding up the belts. Like, I think that MMA is just less, less theatrical. There's less, like, there's less, like, there's less frills and tassels and robes. It's less like, Dude, we're about to fucking try to kill each other with with basically no gloves on like there's very little like um there's very little theater like it definitely gets it definitely gets it's definitely like a spectacle like it definitely has that entertainment value to it but there's a lot less like um theater to it it's like let's get right to it you know like it's let's get right to the fight there's i think that's if the I, if I, a lot of you guys if i remember correctly carmichael dave Brought my build out when I fought uh, when I fought Jens Pulver in Sacramento. Um, he was like my he's a local 
Sacramento news, like sports okay. guy. Yeah, yeah. And it might be national now. I don't know. But uh, he also, I went to elementary school with him and his sister, and he came out and carried the belt. I forgot about that. The only reason I, I, I thought about that is because you're, you're mentioning this right now. So it's happened on occasion. Yeah, Connor. I, I believe Connor actually carried, had his cornerman carry both of his UFC belts out before he fought Mayweather. So if you go watch that replay, you see two UFC gold belts yeah. uh, being paraded behind him on his way to the ring. More of a boxing I, thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm I'm going rogue here, guys. I'm going to throw in one more question. Uh, I'll I'll have to fight producer Casey again later. Uh, we fight all the time. It's fine. Uh, I, I know he said that was supposed to be the last question, but there was one uh, that was it's from Sean Denny on Twitter at Denny Rants in honor of Feely, uh, Touchy Feely. What are your favorite MMA nicknames? And the California Kid also a great nickname. So uh, what 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 are some nicknames you guys enjoy? Um, I do. I know there was a little rivalry, but we're actually cool now. So. We've been cool for a long time, so I'll say Uncle Creepy is one of them. Obviously, Uncle Creepy's a great yeah. one. Yeah, uh, Uncle Creepy's a great nickname. Um, well, I can't really think of any other one. Uncle Creepy's a good one. Um, anybody else want to help me out here? Throw some stuff. I've got out. some. I've like, got some gems for you guys. After, go ahead. I've got some gems. I like. Uh, what's the guy? Uh, the secret weapon, Pete. Pete Spratt. The secret weapon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Always That's like good. A, that was like a sarcastic one. Like you'd always like have the kid that was on the bench be like the secret weapon stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, Violent Bob Ross is a good one. Oh Bob yeah. Ross is a good one. Yeah. Does I Buffer like- actually announce him as that? Does he actually say the violent? He does. Does he? Yes. He hundred percent does. I talked to him and he said fans think his name, his real name is Robert because of that. <laughs> like it's his name is Luis, but people call him Robert like in the casinos when they see him. Uh, Bruce Leroy is a good one. Bruce Leroy is a phenomenal yes. one. Yeah. Uh, Especially if you like that movie, mm-hmm. showing up. Who's the master? Yeah. <laughs> all right, uh, I got some gems for you guys. Obviously, on the regional scene, you got all kinds of crazy stuff. I don't know if you've heard of these guys. There's a gentleman named Ladarius Jackson who goes by the Limitless Nuclear Bombs. Ladarius, the Limitless Nuclear Bombs, Jackson. It's a mouthful. That's pretty. That's incredible. Yeah. This might be that's one of the worst. Much. Uh, Jordan Winsky, I think he's a friend of Sam Alvey's. Uh, he goes by Jordan. I'm gonna Winsky. Jordan, <laughs> I'm, what do you think? Hey, you like that? Smiling yeah. Sam's good too. Yeah, Smiling Sam's all right. Uh, Bill Algio, he fought in Contender Series last year. Goes by Senor Perfecto. And uh, Sp- Spike Carlisle. He- <laughs> Spike Carlisle, he fights out of San Diego. You guys might know him. He just uh, had a successful UFC debut in February. He goes by the Alpha Ginger. Nice. But there's an even better redhead than that. Uh, our, our Canada's own uh, Rick Pfeiffer, who goes, and you might you probably heard of this guy, the ginger with intent to injure. That's pretty incredible. <laughs> that's, a, that's I just remembered one more. There's a there's a fighter. Uh, I think his name is John Castaneda. He goes by Sexy Mexi. Yeah. <laughs> sexy Mexi fights for Kabate. Yeah. Solid. Yeah. That is solid. I've always been a big fan of uh, Dean of Mean, Keith Jardine. That's yes. always oh, my yeah. go-to mean, one. Dude. It was dude, like, that's the worst fucking nickname. That's a good <laughs> one. But you, uh, that's the worst fucking you know, hey, hey, he's 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 a he's a working actor. Dude. He does a lot he of movies. Yeah, yeah. He was him, him actually Andre. It, yeah. Andre, you ever read Sweet Tooth? Bruh. Uh, come on, bruh. I was about to say, I thought I saw it somewhere up there. Uh, oh, I ran yeah. into... I was I ran into Keith. Uh, he was uh, at the UFC Phoenix uh, fight card that you were at, uh, and he was reading Sweet Tooth because he was about to go audition. I don't know if he got the role. I haven't talked oh, to him shit. since. But 
that was in a Netflix show that he wanted to be on. So he was doing research, uh, sitting cross-legged reading Sweet Tooth. Of course, I had to go chat him about a, Jeff that's a, moment, that's a fucking moment in history you got to watch. So I know. He, are, he, they he, a, are they going to do a Sweet Tooth show? Netflix. Oh, my God. Yes, dude. Uh, and uh, Keith, he, uh, he got to do that. Uh, he got to work with Paul Thomas Anderson. He did that in Hair and Vice movie. Mm-hmm. So he got, uh, to, he got to do a scene with, like, Joaquin Phoenix. And I was like, I was so so. Andre, you know, you you make you might make fun of his name, but you might end up, uh, you know, in a movie with him. So oh you know, no, nice. dude, I have I have immense respect for him. him so I have, so as a fighter, I have immense respect for him. Mm-hmm. What he's done in Hollywood, but like what he's done in Hollywood, I think him and Jay Haran are the best examples mm-hmm. of like guys who have just like been, been fucked. Dude, Jay Haran and him have both been killing it. Like I've seen them yeah. in so many things. But still, his nickname is the worst nickname in everything. <laughs> you gotta keep it real. You gotta keep it real. I say that as a guy named Touchy Feely, and I also say that as a guy who has immense respect for him. But holy shit, dude, the dean of mean. Holy <laughs> shit. Oh my gosh. Uh, Someone in our comments says Sexyama is still the goat nickname. Great name. That's Sexyama's a good one, too. Good. I was gonna say Sexyama. But, but I like Sexy Hara better good. for my boy Teruto Ishihara. Sexy Hara, I like that one. Yeah, also. that's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Casey, I know we're running up any time. We got any more questions for these two gentlemen before we let them go? Yeah, we got one. I think we can get one more in here. Uh, uh. Fight Island oh. from Rob Holland. If Dana White was running a Fight Island tournament as a cover for a drug trade and prostitution, like in Enter the Dragon, which fighter would you send as an undercover agent slash fighter to infiltrate this tournament? Someone else than the obvious Bruce Leroy. There you go. Also, who would be a perfect Williams and Roper? And, of course, who is White's right-hand man, Bolo? So, basically, they're asking you to, like, fantasy yeah. matchmake and Enter the Dragon yeah. tournament <laughs> with UFC fighters. Huh. <clears throat> that's a good question I think uh, what's his name uh, the karate guy from from uh, what's his name who am I thinking of Thompson no Stephen Thompson Stephen Thompson would be a good guy to infiltrate because I feel like he's got a clean like look but I bet you he's got a little dirty to him too I don't sure. know but, you know yeah. He's a single guy. He's getting older. You know, he, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. I, I think Bolo, if I was going to cast Bolo, it'd be, uh, if I was going to cast Bolo, it'd be Yo Romero. Oh, my <laughs> God. I didn't even think about that, but that is right on the money right there. I think I'd cast Yo Romero. I think we got to toss Stylebender somewhere in there. He'd be like, I feel like he's been in a tournament, a, one, a couple one night tournaments in the past. Stylebender's like, Stylebender's like the final boss, dude. Like you have to get past him and you barely survive. Sure. <laughs> yeah. You're muted, AK. I think I think you guys are missing the uh, the obvious secret agent choice because we all know she's a Russian spy anyway. Uh, one Valentina Shevchenko. I think you yeah. send her in there. Yeah. There you I go. She scares definitely. the living shit out of me though. She'd have to. Dude, she'd have to be. Sure she's a, I'm sure she's a sweet lady, but she scares the holy hell out of me, dude. So I, she'd have to be. I'd have to cast her as like, as like a, as like a villain, like as like a, a femme fatale. Yeah, she like yeah. throws her. She like takes her sled off and throws it to a man's head or something. Yeah. Well, she, speaking of that, she's in an upcoming movie with Halle Berry, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I saw them training at Henzo's, dude. Halle Berry can. Halle Berry can fucking fight, dude. Yeah. yeah, she breaks brick, and I know Valentina wants to play like a female James Bond uh, in the future. So, 
You're not wrong. You're not wrong there, AK. But I think we're running up on time. Uh, so Uriah and Andre, I know you spoke about your movie earlier, but for those of you that have, for those of the fans that joined uh, since then, uh, tell us about the movie one more time and where they can find it. Uh, it's it's Green Rush. Like I said, it's a uh, it's based on a real event, and it's got a, a robbery at a marijuana farm in Northern California where Andre and I are both reign supreme. And uh, you know, you guys, you're gonna really love it. It's that movie you're gonna want to watch twice. There's a lot of twists and turns in there where you're gonna catch things the second time. Um, Andre killed it. Guys, a natural. I mean, he spoke to me a long, a long time ago about wanting to get into the acting game, so I've always kept that in mind. And, and uh, it's a real passion project. Everyone involved, most of the characters in there, the 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 scenes were and the characters are written for them specifically, which is also really rare. So uh, go ahead and check it out and enjoy the ride. Andre, anything you want to add as a man that they're going to see on screen? Um, yeah, man. Support uh, <laughs> support <laughs> independent wrestling. Or no. Uh, oh. No, no. I meant, uh, yeah, I meant rent, rent the movie. Check <laughs> it out. Uh, all you trolls can tweet me if I suck. But if I do a good job, you have to tweet me I do a good job, too. You have to be fair. So rent the movie tomorrow. Uh, yeah, hit those air horns. Rent the movie tomorrow and, and let us know what you thought. Well, thank you so much, gentlemen. I'm sure well, after this, a bunch of people, it's, like, it's not like they can go anywhere, so they can just go to Redbox, find it, bring it back, watch it, pass it on. Uh, go watch Green Rush, everyone. Uh, but for Jose, that's Alex. That's Andre. That's Uriah. I don't know where they are on your screen, but I see them on my screens. But uh, for, until Wednesday, uh, we'll be back at our normal time. You can find this on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all the podcast networks, and, of course, uh, YouTube. But until Wednesday, we're out. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.